Welcome to the BC Museum Association's Climate Action and Leadership Network podcast series. How does nature connect to culture? How do we value nature? What are museums' roles in advocating for natural, intangible, and tangible heritage? How can museums center Indigenous knowledge and disrupt legacies of settler colonialism in climate action? In today's episode, we interview Lauren Ball and Chantal McDonald, who together are creators of the Value Nature podcast by the Bateman Foundation. Value Nature is produced on Vancouver Island and tells local stories of biodiversity by highlighting local ecosystems, creative processes, and Indigenous ways of knowing. It features interviews with artists, environmentalists, historians, and Indigenous knowledge keepers that educate, inspire, and empower their listeners to invest in a shared future and become stewards of the land. The Bateman Foundation Office and Gallery as well as the BCMA office are located in what is colonially known as Victoria, land of the Kwangan peoples on whose traditional territory the offices stand, and the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wasanich peoples whose historical relationships with the land continue to this day. My name is Tanya Poholov and I'm the BCMA's Digital Engagement Specialist. We are so grateful for Lauren and Chantel to join us virtually for this conversation today. So welcome, Lauren and Chantel. Thank you so much for joining us today. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about where you are in this moment, and that could be geographically, spiritually, or anything that could place our listeners to attune to you a little bit. So maybe Chantel first? Sure. I am currently in Porto, Portugal, in a very good place, staying with wonderful friends and their family. Yeah, I'm reconnecting with Europe where I used to live for quite a few years. So I'm in a happy place with good people, Mm. surrounded by beautiful art as well, if I may add. And I am in a blanket fort in my bedroom (laughs) in Victoria, BC. Nice. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about Value Nature podcast, how it came about and where you're at with it right now? Yeah, at the start of COVID, I think it was something we wanted to do in part because we both really love podcasts and listen to a lot of podcasts and also the work we were doing at the Bateman Foundation. Obviously, a lot of things changed with lockdown and we stopped doing in-person programming that we had been doing and a lot of our stuff was transitioning online and there was a little bit of a disconnect there because part of the mandate of the work we used to do was about getting people away from screens and with everything moving onto screens that was kind of a difficult balance and we thought that podcasting was a really perfect medium to still be able to share the message that we wanted to share in an accessible way that didn't involve sitting looking at a screen. If I may add we are hoping that our listeners could go outside and engage with nature while listening to our podcast. So connect in a deeper way, you know, get away from the screen, which my love, my chosen mediums are film and photography. And so this is a new venture to have people just uh, listening. But we also, of course, incorporate a lot of photography so that people listening can see where we are 
And if they can't get to the places where we're visiting, they can at least still connect with what we're describing. So it seemed like a great format to promote our programs and, and to promote engaging with the environment. That's really cool. I love the incorporation of the multidisciplinary participation in all of those ways. That's really neat. So have you seen shifts since doing this work in the way that your audiences or the communities that you work with responded to your work so far? All the feedback that we've had has been really, really positive, which has been so gratifying to hear that people are engaging with it and they do appreciate it. I guess it was, and it may be interesting, it's not quite the right word, but because we ended up releasing this project at a time uh, when all the, the news was coming out about the discoveries at residential schools. So it was in the midst of this big cultural shift. <clears throat> yeah, I feel it's hard to measure the impact of the podcast specifically with such uh, a huge shift in reckoning with what Canadian history, what we're founded on. It's really overwhelming to be recovering children and to be having to really understand how our privilege as Canadians, really what it's based on. And so having a podcast that features Indigenous perspectives, I believe really is vitally important. Of course, we, we envisioned this before all of this was happening, but it's really, it's hard for me to talk about because I get quite emotional about it. I feel very connected to a lot of people that are fighting to educate. And so we're just one small component of a movement right now that is happening in Canada where we are forced to reckon with our past. And this, I believe, is just yeah one, one small fragment of what needs to happen to move forward as, as a society, as a fair and just empathetic population. <laughs> the orange shirt movement is... I mean, it's a huge factor. There's, of course, education around recognizing what happened at residential schools. Um, and, um, and so I wore my orange shirt here in Europe when I went to visit the Vatican. And I'm not really sure what more I can do other than, you know, wear this orange shirt. But it is making me think about all the other possibilities of fundraising campaigns and things to, to really push forward the, the education beyond Canada and understanding what role the Catholic Church has had. There's a lot to be said for really reckoning with our past and what that has done in suppressing Indigenous voices and trying to silence Indigenous voices and culture in how that has had a very negative impact on the environment. And we're seeing that impact now through the fires and, and the suffering of communities, of cultures, but also, you know, all the animals. And so I'm wondering, you know, okay, a podcast is one thing, but how do we, and this is maybe, again, a, a question that will come up again later, but how do we involve calls to action? How can we get people to sacrifice perhaps some of their privilege in order to somehow find some balance in, in how Canada has grown into this privileged nation. It's 
interesting to me because yeah, like it, this is a lot of this stuff is very dark and it is very uncomfortable and it is deeply distressing. And what we wanted to do with this podcast was raise awareness of these issues, but also offer some kind of hope. Like we didn't just want to tell people about these awful things and make them feel badly about it. We wanted to raise awareness while also offering something that you could do that is tangible, which is why it was so important for us to have a call to action in every episode. Because what we we absolutely didn't want people to come out of the listening experience just feeling depressed. Mm. <laughs> but ultimately, we're not going to move forward if all we do is feel badly about it. Yeah. And I think that's what the BCMAs is trying to foster a lot of conversation around and what a lot of museums and cultural institutions are grappling with right now too is how to move forwards, how to have conversations around these topics, but also how to accompany it with such action that you're talking about. So maybe we'll we'll pivot a little bit to one of the specific episodes that you recently that you referenced that you have done about the old growth and the Fairy Creek blockades. I think we need collectively as a society to readdress the way in which we perceive value. We were all laboring under this white capitalistic structure that really only ascribes value um, in monetary terms. And what we need in order to, to tackle something like climate change is to shift the way that we view those things so we what we need is collective evolution of consciousness that recognizes value in terms of what a thing means culturally and spiritually and not just look at things in terms of monetary value or their value just to humans and looking at wider ecosystems and that that was something that came up a lot when we spoke to to people about Fairy Creek and biodiversity and old growth. And certainly Chantal and I are not experts in these things. And that's why we tried so hard to find people who could speak to them as experts. So like Rachel Holt, who we spoke to in the old growth episode about the wider value that these trees have to the ecosystems that they're present in. And for me, I think the role of museums and cultural institutions in something like that is as storytellers. And I personally take that very seriously. I think it's our job, this sector, to find stories that we can tell, that people can relate to, that feel personal and tangible, that they can listen to and absorb and internalize and then ultimately contribute to this shift in collective consciousness, which I think is really vital in terms of how we exist in the world and seeing ourselves as humans and recognizing that we are not separate from nature, we are part of it and nature and culture are the same thing, ultimately. Mm. Yeah, cultural institutions are vehicles to start these conversations through art or through experiential learning. And so I think museums can help educate the public's understanding of why 
we need to protect our environment that sustains us. Being in Europe right now, people ask me about Canadian culture and I say, well, you know, yes, of course, we, we have culture. It's very colonial. However, Indigenous culture is very entwined with the environment and its protection. And so we need to refocus on that when essentially our government tried to erase that and say that one culture is above another. And the result is our forests are burning within a few hundred years. This colonial mindset has destroyed vast amounts of our environment. We often <laughs> compare ourselves to the United States. You know, we have a flag with a, a leaf on it. We're all about the environment, but are we really? How, how much are we actually preserving and of our cultural heritage? This is our heritage here. UNESCO World Heritage Sites preserves architecture, all this beauty. But for me, the beauty of Canada is our environment that Indigenous people, the First Nations, lived in balance with for time immemorial, which, as I said, now within a few hundred years, we have essentially destroyed. There's, I mean, there isn't clean drinking water for many, many people around Canada. And how is that even possible that we've polluted this massive country to the extent where people cannot have access to clean drinking water? So I believe experiential learning through museums, through art, through experiences can really help Canadians, help people from around the world that want to come and visit our museums and understanding why it's important to protect the environment and why it's important to work towards policy change to protect it, to make it law. Because until that happens, industry will continue to profit from the environment's destruction. And in episode three of our podcast, which everyone should listen to, <laughs> you, we really learned about a lot of, um, yeah, what's happened and how things have progressed to this point. So people kind of snap out of the complacency because there's a lot of complacency in, in believing that, no, oh, we're good. We, we have so many beautiful mountains and trees and lakes, but really what, what are we actually doing? to our environment, which sustains us. Back to the role of museums and art, I feel like we have to present this very scientific information in more creative ways so that people have a greater understanding and can actually comprehend the just the vital importance of them. Yes, we can have scientists speaking about this information, but art conveys through emotion. And I think we need to con connect on an emotional level, connect to the importance of old growth and of the environment in general. I mean, not just trees, but everything. Art has a role in conveying science and conveying all this information that we all really need to comprehend so that we can create policy change. Yeah, you're right, Chantal, that we, as the cultural sector, have a responsibility to provoke that emotional reaction, because it's one thing to read the facts and statistics, and some people that will work and that will get the message through, but I suspect a greater majority of people need to be moved on an emotional level 
to really understand what's at stake and then beyond that to understand what they can do and not feel helpless that was another thing that was really important to us is that we really wanted to try in in our small way to combat that feeling of helplessness which I see in so many of my peers which is very understandable because we're talking about these huge critically important issues that are very overwhelming so it's how do we address that in a practical way, in a responsible way, in a helpful way, without disregarding the concept of hope. And I think we're uniquely placed as a sector to be able to communicate that. Absolutely. And especially in the midst of a summer that has seen such challenges, even in our areas and around the world, there have been so many challenges. This year, it's really been hitting home for a lot of folks. And so, as you say, we can hear the stats, we can hear climate science, but for it to penetrate to different levels for people and to reimagine different futures and creative ways, that's a really interesting role and unique niche for museums and cultural institutions to bring forth. So I think that's a really beautiful note um, and question to end on. If you had anything else that you wanted to add, how can museums help to reimagine the future and facilitate creative ways of relating to and stewarding nature? I think we have a responsibility as a sector to uh, regain trust because we do have clearly a history of whitewashing, of excluding narratives, repressing Indigenous languages not telling those stories that are so important. So something that has to be central to all our work going forward is giving a platform to to those narratives, to those Indigenous knowledge keepers, and looking at things with that perspective. Yeah, I, I guess it's our responsibility as a sector to bring those voices into it going forward it's just could not be more important to reframe those narratives and center indigenous knowledge and offer a platform to people who can speak from those perspectives and yeah certainly Chantal and I don't see ourselves as experts in any of these things but we we deeply feel a responsibility as people working within this sector to tell those stories and to share the platform, pass the mic, as it were. That was very, very important. Yeah, I feel we really need to, as settlers on this land, step aside and listen. But not only that, actually work together with the Indigenous community, form ties, form bonds, respect their language, in a way that we are learning from them because we have taken a lot and now we need to actually, again, give them the space to, to express their culture, but then also respect it enough to learn, really learn about their language, really learn about their, their traditions and 
and perhaps incorporate it into our own lives because it's been the opposite for how many hundreds of years. And I think we can all grow as a society in a positive way if we, as my friends Tom and Perry put it, cross cultures, you know, share, exchange, learn from each other, because that's, I believe, the way that we will move forward in a positive way in protecting the land and protecting the environment and respecting each other. I think that can help us reframe our ways of seeing as well, because there's definitely something in the way that we, you know, if a cultural artifact is in a museum or a gallery, like we, I say we quite broadly, I'm really talking about settler culture, but we are trained to perceive that as containing value, like cultural value and worth. Whereas a tree in the forest left alone, we don't necessarily see it that way. And that's not good, I guess. Yeah, we need to see things differently. And I think that's a big part of how how we value nature is by seeing it not for just what it's worth to us on a monetary level, but appreciating how it fits into the much wider context even yeah. if it's not in a museum and we have to pay money to see it. <laughs> However, if I may add as a final thought, protecting that land as a national park or as UNESCO World Heritage Site is, I believe, really important as well. It needs to be protected. So policy change, I keep repeating the word policy, you know, it, it's, it has to be protected because as we're seeing right now in Ferry Creek, you know, legal protesting is being broken up by the police. And so where are our priorities, really? How, how are we protecting the people who are trying to protect the land? Is that happening? What is our government doing to, to protect those who care about our future? But yeah, museums, I, this is a whole other topic, but um, repatriating artifacts that were stolen is very important and how can we replace those artifacts with contemporary art forms that continue to educate about the culture where these these artifacts have come from so can we repatriate and then have contemporary artists come in and have interactive ways of recreating these these artifacts Perhaps that's a way that people can get more involved in any culture of understanding the meaning behind and recreating in a more contemporary way. Maybe I, again, I don't know, I don't have all the answers, but curating needs to uh, evolve as well. So I think the museum sector has, has a lot of evolving to do in the next few years as we, as we reckon with our past and the way things have been done for hundreds of years. Well, thank you both for all of your insights. This is really valuable and it's been really interesting to hear all your thoughts and about your podcast and your journey as well. So thank you so much, Chantal and Lauren. Thank you too. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. thank you for featuring our work. We really appreciate it.